Hello and welcome. I am Piers Ridyard, CEO of RDX Works, a core developer of the decentralized finance protocol Radix, a public ledger entirely focused on bringing DeFi into the mainstream. This is our podcast, The DeFi Download, a show about decentralized finance and all things crypto, where we dive into the details of the projects, assets, and services that are powering the DeFi revolution. Today, I'm joined by Jordi and Gilliam, founders and CEO and CTO of Potion.Finance. Potion.finance is democratizing risk management. Potion protects you from the risks in DeFi ecosystems, making it sustainable. It is easy to access, open, and transparent. Guys, we've had you on the podcast before. It's great to have you back. Welcome back. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. You're very Thank welcome. You, so, like, I think the I think the uh, the, the goals of Potion are, are, are huge. Like we we previously spoke about. Um, sort of potions approach to um, uh, like risk management when it comes to writing things like options and derivatives and stuff like that. And, and the, the really interesting approach you guys have taken with the Kelly criterion versus the traditional black option shoals model. We're not going to be going so much into the technology, like the, the, the theoretical underpinnings of it today, it, but we're instead going to talk about some of the really interesting practical things you guys have been doing in the year or so since it's la- we last spoke and actually what's happening right now. So there's this game potion unlock that's happening so can you can you please explain what is happening and why should people care so uh yes it's been a it's been a long journey since we last spoke and we've been focusing on two things fundamentally one is in getting the protocol uh ready um it's been audited it's been back tested back and forth uh, on many directions and then we've also been trying to figure out how we could launch it in a way that was uh, legally safe for us as a team. And this is what is happening right now. We are big believers in true decentralization. We believe that it can be a source of a lot of good for the world. And we're excited to try and be pioneers in new ways to launch in a decentralized way. And that's what Potion Unlock is about. Maybe I can describe it uh, really, really briefly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe your audience will be familiar with the Dragon Ball. It's this uh, this anime uh, cartoon. Oh, you're talking uh, about Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, exactly, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so uh, so you, you have this, uh, basically this big uh, dragon, right? Uh, that is this, this massive power. And this power is so big that uh, it needs to be broken down, right? And it's broken down into these balls and it's kind of spread around the world. And then Goku, uh, the uh, the hero of the cartoon, spends uh, his time trying to uh, get all these dragon balls and reunite them. And then when you reunite them, then that massive power can be released and the dragon shows up. So we're doing something very similar, which is we have this massive power, which is a, a decentralized protocol for derivatives, and what we've done is we have actually spread it across many, many different pieces. Right. So basically, the protocol has been uh, stored on IPFS, encrypted, and then the password has been broken down in lots of different small chunks, shards. And we've sold these NFTs, and each NFT buyer gets a chunk of the password. And then the community must play this consensus game where in order for the code to be decrypted, first, the community must come together. And we did the sale last week, and this week the game is actually beginning, which is really interesting because it's fully unaided. It's the community reaching that consensus entirely on their own devices. Sometimes we talk about it a little bit like the loot. We've given out the cards, and then the game is open-ended. It's it's Mm -hmm. up to the people to come up with a way to reach consensus and decrypt the protocol. And when it happens, it will be the community in some sense that is open sourcing the code, which we think is an interesting mechanic. Super interesting. It's super interesting. So so basically what's happening here is you guys have written the code for how Potion works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume you've also, you say you've had it audited as well. Mm-hmm. Correct. But... It is not open source right now. It's 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 hidden, and so you've then taken you've taken this code base, you've encrypted it, you put it on IPFS, 
and collectively there's the ability to uh, to unlock um the the encryption key that then allows you to decrypt it Correct. and then presumably you're hoping then uh whoever manages to do that or whoever set manages to do that will then publish the code and then someone else will choose to uh pay for the fees that are necessary to deploy it onto ethereum which i'm assuming is going to be the first uh place you deploy um the, the code base to and so it, it, at base this is this is uh this is around a, a few concepts right one of them being um that uh whoever controls like there's a lot there's often like this idea of like a controller of a code base right and this get this is this is saying well actually the community controls the code base because the community were the ones who took the underlying code and then they could have done anything with it they could have actually kept it proprietary if they wanted to they could release it on whatever you know license they choose um and so it's it's up to them to decide what happens next um and, and how long do you think this game's going to last for Um, so it's, it's hard to say because it's, it's uh, completely open-ended and yep. it's open-ended by design. So we don't want to restrict it too much, but, um, within that, within three months, that feels like a reasonable amount of time for people to yes. come to an agreement and, and go through with this decentralized Genesis, which is what we were struggling to, to find because normally there's for something to be born, you can expect a father and a mother or somehow somebody is taking that mm. step. What we're trying is to have this decentralized genesis where the code is being open source. And if there is ever a deployment, it's not done by any one person, but rather by a community directly. Right. And 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 from the point of view of you guys as as participants in this, like where where when when it deploys, like where where do you guys act in the system? What's what's your what's your role and purpose from that point forwards? Uh, you go for it again. Yeah, I think, you know, once the system is, is running, um, there will be a bunch of stakeholders around this ecosystem performing different functions. Um, main, many of them will have to do with operation, operational issues. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones where we won't be involved in. We will be involved in the research um, kind of development surrounding the, the potion ecosystem that we want to build. So, you know, we, we consider ourselves, uh, researchers, developers, and we want to stay in that remit in a sense. And, you know, we want to, um, commit to, you know, a, a mission of open source development. So we have a bunch of new ideas. We have a, a lot of, you know, passion around our mission of bringing uh, risk management to to the crowds in DeFi, mm -hmm. and you know our our mission will be to continue developing these ideas, creating new ideas, uh, developing in general. Okay, understood. So you guys are going to be researching and 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 looking to help improve uh, whatever it is that these the, the community instantiates at the starting point. So like, what is, what is this code going to be able to do? Like, what is a, what, what are you expecting the first users to, to be doing with, with potion, with the potion protocol once it's live? Yeah, I, I think the code we've built is a, is a fully fleshed, uh, AMM for, for derivatives. And so, you know, as an AMM, we expect to see in general two categories of, of users. One will be the kind of um, derivative buyers, the takers mm -hmm. of the insurance. Like we we spoke about it in in the previous episode. In in this B zero, we are actually shipping a like a very particular flavor of derivatives, which is uh, put options, which can be regarded as price insurance instruments. Right. So that will be the buyers of this price insurance, and this will be one category of users, and then there will be the the sellers of this price insurance. What will what will basically be LPs for the portion right. AMM. Right. Um, within these categories, I think there's there's going to be also like a variety of uh, different types of players, um, and dif with different types of interests. But luckily, the the protocol itself is already accounting for that for different types of user journeys, yeah. like from from you know basic usage types where you just you know kind of go with the crowd and try to 
kind of social trade and see what are the most popular options being traded right now. You can examine what is the performance and so on. And, you know, with a single click experience, you can get into into these sort of uh, positions as a buyer or as a seller. And then there will be, you know, kind of more involved uh, kind of user journeys where buyers can take into more complex instruments. They can they can customize their insurance more, more um, kind of... Mm, in a more kind of advanced way and especially right. LPs, they will be able to take on, you know, very, very custom positions as, as market makers. And in that sense, like we expect to bring um, all sort of uh, talents to the table. We've actually developed a bunch of analytic, uh, analytical tools for them. That's something that we're shipping as well with Potion Unlock, something we call Potion Analytics. I think that's actually... You know, uh, it's it's like a companion tool, a companion app to right. the LP side of Potion, where you can do um, really, really advanced uh, analytics on LP positions, and you can do back testing, and you can basically um, come up with the particular bonding curves that you want to use based on your risk reward profile. So we also want to attract, you know, kind of more of these research oriented. Uh, traders that want to, you know, kind of put forward uh, interesting bonding cures for for the community and for themselves, obviously. I think this is like probably the crux of the of the of the difficulty of what you guys are doing um, is the user experience. Like from a from a um, from a mathematical point of view, the maths is not I mean, the, the maths of the Kelly criterion is relatively complicated, but the like the 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 calculate like the basic calculation of what a description of what a derivative is, right? Like for let's say I, I want to put a put option on Bitcoin, and I and I'm worried about the price over the next thirty days, and I'd like to make sure that if the price drops below thirty thousand dollars, that it pays yeah. out. You know that it pays out like that. I, I can say that in a relatively short short space of time. What starts to become really complicated is the risk management of of selling that option uh, and the and, and the pricing of buying that option, right? And like th- those are the and what if 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 anyone hasn't already gone to the sort of potion.finance, potion.fi website, like what you guys have been doing around the user experience, I think is actually quite groundbreaking. Um just trying to create visualization tools around yeah. what it is that, uh, that that can help decode the complexity from a, oh my God, I've suddenly got to understand the Greeks to, okay, I can, I, you know, if I move this, this slider yeah. here and this slider here, I can see what might happen to my capital. I can see what might happen to my returns. But I understand that essentially it, underpinning this all, it's a statistical thing, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Unlike unlike Uniswap, I can't look at Uniswap and go, well, you know, as long as there's this many trades, I'm going to make this much money. It's like it's it's like a it's a random walk of what might happen to my to my to my returns. And I think this is sort of so interesting and important about the Kelly criterion that we've already spoken about, you know, at, at length. But the 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 work you guys have done on the user interface is is, is amazing. But let's let's take a really simple journey right let's start with someone who wants to to buy uh, a put option on bitcoin right can you describe to me both sides of that first the buyer journey and then the lp journey and how those two things look mm-hmm. as a as a buyer like obviously you will need like suppose there's some liquidity there waiting for you yeah, let's um, assume let's assume that it's, it's up and running. There's plenty of liquidity. Let's start with that assumption for sure. Yeah. So uh, first thing, like being an AMM, that basically means that you will have um, availability on demand twenty four seven for your whatever you want to buy. So this insurance you 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 were mentioning, um, that's already a, a very important point. Like you will be able. First thing is that you will be able to come to the platform do some things, I'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But immediately you will be able to get your um, fully collateralized insurance uh, on-chain uh, tokenized 
in your wallet, right? So that's already big advantage of being an AMM. Then sure, but what do I need? What do I need as the user? Like to, to start off with, I'm I've got I've got a Bitcoin position. Let's say my Bitcoin position is five BTC, um, and I, and I want to and I want to make sure that the, if the price worried about volatility right now, fair enough. Lots of yeah. uncertainty in the world. I want to ensure that if Bitcoin drops below thirty thousand, I'm not I'm not going to lose any more money. Right? Yeah. Below like yeah. up to thirty thousand, I'm cool with the loss. After that, I'm not. And I want to insure it for the next six months. Yeah, you, what, I mean, what, what if I you know that, if you know that, you already have most of the things that you need. Like because th- those are the two fundamental parameters, right? Mm-hmm. To what extent you want to be um, insured and for how long. Yep. Once you know that, in the interface, it will be very easy. You will just need. You will see all the available assets right there. You will just need to select the asset, select your your strike price, this level of insurance you, we were saying, yep. select the duration, and then you will see um, a quote for that right. premium, right? Behind and the quote the scenes, will be in dollars. That quote will be would be in USDC, which is the the collateral we're we're using um, right now, and the kind of premium uh, premium token that uh, we're using right now that is flexible and in the future may change but for now it's it will be usdc so okay. you will need we will need some usdc yep. to pay for that and once you pay for that you will immediately uh, get that token in in the same transaction so there will be so, one so transaction i get, I get, a, to- I get a token back that represents my position your position exactly and is that is that an, i'm assuming that's an nft I'm making some guesses. that's actually an, an erc20 token it's an erc20 yeah and it will be tradable for you so you know if at some point you want to offset your position you could do so by by trading that that erc20 yeah. token so is it an erc20 of that specific position so that there's only one issue of that ERC twenty. Well, someone else could buy the same, exactly the same contract. Yeah, that that contract will be, you know, um, Bitcoin thirty thousand dollars expiring on a given date, mm-hmm. and then you know that position it's basically constantly constantly minting uh, ERC twenties as people come to the platform right. and, and buy. Uh, collateralized right. insurance basically as, yeah. as a slight aside like obviously uniswap v3 decided to represent positions as as nfts rather than as elc20s why did you guys decide to go down the you know token uh, you know fundable token route rather than non-fungible token route to represent a specific bet i mean for us uh there, w- there was uh you know, it was an easy choice because, you know, in the background, we're integrated with Open. And this is actually a dependency that comes from, from Open. Uh, I don't know if, if people is familiar with Open. It's a, it's a derivatives uh, fundamental protocol that basically um, is, is in charge of producing the, the vessels for insurance, right? So it's a protocol that is kind of, or it was initially uh, specifically in charge of tokenizing option option contracts mm-hmm. and that's what we use in the background so potion is connected to open and every time you're buying something in the background we're actually calling open and tokenizing that thing through open but be, be beyond that like i think an erc20 position basically allows you to kind of offset if you want to you know imagine that you want to sell part of your position Sure. you will be able to do so. And that's already, a, you know, a big advantage uh, with regard to an NFT, right? Imagine right. So I, I can I can now sell, you know, a part of, you know, half of I your position, one, one quarter. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, interesting. And so like, all right, now, now I've got, now I've got my token that represents my six month position. Right. And let's say, let's say that the market is moved substantially for me. Right. And so Bitcoin has unfortunately dropped to $20,000. But I'm only, I'm only two months into my, into my contract. What can I do now? Your contract was six months, you you said? Yeah. So, in that case, since the contract is still not expired, you won't be able to claim, um, a, a, you know, you won't be able to, to claim a payoff 
uh, yet to the okay. to the to the position. What you would be able to do is to kind of sell your position and okay. exit it in a in a secondary market if that would be your. And, your, and how are you guys choice? seeing that that secondary market might may emerge? That's a good question. I think we we are not um, supporting explicitly the secondary market um, specifically right now in Potion, but you could potentially do do so in Uniswap in Uniswap, where some of these positions are traded. Um, yeah, I suppose that I suppose that's where the complexity that I'm sort of trying to understand is because my position is 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 you is specific, right? It's a six month put option that started on this day and ends on that day it's a european call uh, put option meaning that it only is callable at expiry not before obviously the pricing of it changes over time if someone will price it for me and like but if someone won't price it for me, then it, it, it's essentially, you know, valueless until the point that the, 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 the option has or has an illiquid market. So, I mean, there's definitely the potential for it to be traded. That uh, the, the, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that's almost at the same level of like interesting secondary effect problem as the primary one is like you, Issuing of the option, absolutely. But if you have a European option that can't be called, then what does the liquidity profile of that look like up until the point that you want to call it? Um, because there's there's going to be points where I'm going to be like, well, I'll take profit. You know, that, that looks good because there's still, you know, the um, the the vol down the line. And I yeah. I don't know, at six months time, maybe, maybe it's, you know, Bitcoin's bounced back. We're back in the bull cycle yeah. again. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to bounce on that point too much, but it, I think it's a really interesting. It's, it's going to be a really interesting challenge for your community to go. Well, we've got these things; they do have theoretical value. How do we create a tradable market for them? Yeah, maybe I, I can add here a couple of uh, points. Um, one is that uh, we considered um, converting the AMM into a, a, a two-way AMM, where mm-hmm. not only it allow you to buy products, but also sell them back. Right. right. And I think uh, the same logic that we applied to finding a price at the time of sale yes. could be applied on the reverse right. uh, direction to price it when you're buying it. Right. Plus, uh, plus adding some fee. Like if, you, if you're the taker, then you, you yeah. may want to adapt that. But beyond that, I Which think... Which makes for, a lot of sense because it, it yeah. gives you the opportunity for the person to close out a risk position. Exactly, right. right. So the LP may also desire it uh, right. com- completely. But be- beyond that, um, I think ca- kind of the way we're seeing the market move is, and I think you, you said it really well, um, we want to appeal to the the regular person, right? I think like at the moment, derivatives is something that is very much for the elite, super sophisticated, highly right. educated financial person. Right. Whereas I think the use case actually is not that sophisticated. It's just hedging your position, you know? That, that should be right. a very simple use case. So I think uh, this whole business of the expiration and all that stuff, I think right. is, uh, adds a lot of friction. So yes. I think the direction in which we're going is more expirationless. Right. So just Perks, pay, pay as right. you go. You're, you're either hedged or you're not hedged. Right. And then you come in and come out. It's that simple. Right. So I think we're, we're more likely to go in, in, into that direction right. over buying back positions right. or pr- uh, kind of promoting a, a secondary market. Right. And, I think and, then, and then if you, if you have a perpetual, then mm-hmm. the tokenization makes way more sense as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're just saying, oh, I have a, I have a, you, you don't have hedged the, Bitcoin. You, I have hedged Bitcoin, right? Exactly. <laughs> At this price. Exactly. And I don't I don't have the extra category of over this time frame between Correct. these two dates. Exactly. Um exactly. And I think for us, like uh, uh I think we spoke about this on the on the previous podcast, almost as end as end users, you know, like we're trying to design the product that we would right. like to use. What we'd like to use is just something that hedges your portfolio. Right, and I don't want to think about it. I just want I have, right. I just have these holdings. Right. Can I get a smart contract to hedge on my behalf? And I choose right. my hedging level. That that's the degree of freedom I have. Right. But that's it. You know, I have a super simple experience. The premium is being paid from principle. Right. Super low friction. Right. That because I'm like, go. okay, like, uh, you know, what's it going? It 
I, 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 you almost want like um, continuous clearance, right? I'm just like, exactly. okay, exactly. I start Literally. the hedging process. I put in, I don't know, 100 USDC. It like after a week, it's like, oh, you need to top up if you want to continue hedging at this level. Okay, fine, cool. I'll do even, that. even better, not even the USDC, it pays from the principal. Like it takes a little bit of the Bitcoin. Oh, so it's, I just put wrapped BTC in. Yeah, exactly. It needs to be on the right uh, network, but yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So as in like, I have, I have my position I'm trying to hedge and then I use my position to actually create. To fund the hedging. It's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, that is interesting because it, it's got the right, it's actually got the right profile for both a put and a call option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, like ideally something that you don't need to, like this topping up, that for me already is a a step that I'd rather not take. I'd rather put Ethereum and beat for 20 years and it's automatically hedging. And then in 20 years, I go back and then I have my holdings there that were hedged all along. And I didn't do, I didn't need to do anything. It's just coming in and coming out. That's it. Right. Right, right, right. Um, and so, okay, so so that's where you want to get to. Yeah. What what stopped you getting there so far? Like, what what's the complexity? Um, so we wanted to test the kind of the, the basic principles. We we, mm. we are doing something quite groundbreaking in terms of the financial uh, derivations that we're using. Right. We're the first team in the world are, are using the Kelly Criterion two price options. Yeah. So we actually, while we want to get to the mainstream person. We actually thought that it probably made sense to start with the sophisticated people first to right. battle test it. And then right. once we can see that the things work in the wild as expected, yeah. then we can go out and optimize for the mainstream market. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the the buyer side, like, you know, there's plenty of, of options, uh, well, of opportunities for you to do a variety of um, access points to, to these uh market but what really stops you from doing that at least currently is having scalable liquidity so which brings us to the lp side um i think from the beginning we we detected that if you really want to have a you know a, a properly um scaled and liquid market of of these things you need the other side to be to be there right. and to be right. there in scale and that's the that i think that's actually the main issue that we were targeting with the B0 of Potion. I mean, it's it's a two-sided market, obviously, it's an, and it's a complete AMM, of course. But I think uh, the main value that we're bringing is potentially on the LP side, um, bringing the risk management capabilities to LPs also, not only to buyers, but especially to the LPs, right? M- allowing them to have positions that... Um, can be as passive as possible, and that can generate long-term yield for them in automated risk management strategies. Right. So, so let's let's take let's take the LP side, the liquidity provider side. Um, so let, let you know, let, let's go through two two categories of 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 end state. Right, the first is my Bitcoin put position. Actually, after six months. Um, uh, turns out we were wrong about hard money being the future and Bitcoin's at $10,000. Uh, and I, you know, I bought my put option at $30,000 or for five Bitcoin. So I'm now, uh, 60,000, no, $100,000 in the money, right? Cool. $100,000 in the money, six months point, right? And then the other, the other end state is, you know, Bitcoin never drops below 30,000. Uh, and, uh, um, I uh, after six months, I've basically just I paid I paid what the quote was, and and that's gone somewhere. So mm-hmm. now let's talk about the LP side. So let's say let's say for argument's sake that the price of that option um, was ten uh, percent of the of, of of the value of the Bitcoin, right? So um, for argument's sake, let's say that it's sixty thousand per Bitcoin. At the start of this, it's not. It's forty-five thousand. Let's say it's forty-five thousand. So that's two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars principal. It was ten percent, so it's twenty-two thousand five hundred. So I've paid twenty-two thousand five hundred for this option. That's gone in 
right? And in one scenario, I get back $100,000 because I was right. And unfortunately, Bitcoin hit 10,000. In the other scenario, it never hit 30,000 and 22,500 of my principal has gone somewhere. So those are, that's the setup. So let's talk about the LP side. So the liquidity providers, what, what DeFi has taught us, I think, is that if you can make liquidity provision simple, you can bootstrap markets that are more liquid than professional ones, right? Like Uniswap V2, Uniswap V3 is a bit more complicated. Uniswap V2 did a fantastic job of this where they went, right, if you've got two assets, USDC and Ethereum, you can make money on those assets just by providing that to a pool. And then every time someone swaps across that pool, you'll get a little fee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. That's like means that there's like, Billions of dollars of traded volume across Uniswap. And for those people who don't know, I just want an extra little number for you. Like the nominal value of traded uh, derivatives globally is uh, $4 quadrillion in nominal value every year through DTCC, right? So like this is, this is, this is like, you know, Uniswap's the baby market if this is done correctly. But what has to happen is there has to be liquidity. So how are you guys doing that? So, I mean, Guillermo was saying it earlier, that was the core problem, right? I mean, there are lots of problems, but it felt like that is the first problem because if you don't solve that problem, you don't have liquidity. If you don't have liquidity, then there is no, no service. Right. And so that's where we turned to the Kelly criterion. Um, it may be worth spending 30 seconds on it. Yep. Um, the Kelly criterion is uh, typically used to size your, the risk like uh, if you're offered a bet on on the blackjack or in poker, and you're able to read the odds, the kind yep. of the statistical uh, probabilities of outcomes, the Kelly criterion tells you what's the out of the, your full capital, what's the optimal percentage that you should uh, put at risk, such that it maximizes your long-term compounding rate. Mm-hmm. And that's that sounds like a, a nuance, but it's actually fundamental. It's optimizing right. for the compounding rate over time. So as you right. keep doing that bet, it's um, maximizing growth. Right. And so we've actually extended the Kelly criterion from the world of sizing, which is what Kelly does. It helps you to size your position to the world of sizing and pricing. Right. And so when you are an LP in Potion you're allowed to use these bonding curves that are very special. Uh, they have a very unique shape. They're of the family X times the, times the hyperbolic cosine of X, which you can think of it just in the same way that Uniswap has XY equals K as its internal bonding curve to derive prices. We figured out that you can synthesize the Kelly criterion onto a bonding curve that happens to have the shape, X times the hyperbolic cosine of X. And then we allow you to uh, instantiate. And, you know, clearly, everyone is just going to be able to track that in their head, so we don't need to go into that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> self-evident, self-evident stuff. <laughs> um, but this, this was actually like a, a really clean result that came out spontaneously. You know, right. like we just derived these curves, and they, right. they just happened to have this shape. So it was kind of a very simple re- result like that. And in our backtesting, what we show is that when you're taking risk, but our sizing and pricing according to these special bonding curves, then you do get a positive expectation of compounding growth rate. And so I think the example we gave in the last episode is you're acting a little bit like the house in the casino. So you're accepting uh, bets on the blackjack and you may momentarily lose, you know, every few trades you may lose, but on the whole, over time, you're going to make money. And so that's kind of the game that you're playing as an LP. You're trying to determine the right bonding curve, and then when you apply it over time, you should uh, be ahead. Just to add a little bit of extra dimensions to this, one thing that's quite neat with Potion is that you don't need a specific pool for every asset combination. And then you were just making this point. If I'm buying Bitcoin 30,000 six months, that's one contract, right? And that's one ERC-20 token it's not very scalable if I need to open a separate pool for every instrument parameterization, right? So one thing that we allow LPs to do is say, here's my curve. Let's say this curve is 
has a certain shape. And I've, using potion analytics, I've worked out that uh, there are four different assets that have a similar shape curve. Ethereum, some uh, uh, cover, Bitcoin, Maker. I can actually sell uh, potions, put options, for the four assets from a single pool. So from the perspective of the LP, that's amazing because you're getting higher capital efficiency, you're getting higher utilization, and you're at the same time diversifying. So right. these are all things that, that you want that we allow to happen uh, simultaneously. I don't think there are many protocols out there that allow you to achieve this type of capital efficiency on the LP side. Right. So, yeah. I mean, essentially what you're doing is you're saying, look, the LP are, are providing risk capital and all of these different bets are just... Are, are, are just that they are their bets against the, the the future price of those assets and it doesn't matter what assets they are from the point of view of the capital it much it, it much more matters what the uh so as in it matters what the assets are in terms of the their covariance to each other and the risk profiles of those assets to make sure exactly. that you don't end up in a situation where you make bets that can zero out your position right but from a from a from a option writer's point of view, and actually, like banks do the banks do this as well. When when a bank is running a book, they look at what well, they look at their entire book of um, of derivatives, and a lot of the times they'll be looking out to zero out the risk overall. Where, where the 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 pre, like um, you don't want to be I mean, naked options is one one example of this, right? But you don't want to be writing risks that can lead you to the point of default. And For so sure. you'll look at the entire risk of uh, you'll look at the entire risk of your book and make sure that you don't have any uncovered ri uh, uncovered risks. Yeah. And you're basically doing the same thing, but like in, in an automated way. You're going right. We Correct. will. Yeah, go. On. Correct. No, and and actually, you, you hit on a, a really important point, which is you want to be looking at your entire book as much right. as possible. Right. And looking at what's your value at risk. Like if I have one million dollars and I'm already at eight hundred k outstanding value at risk, mm -hmm. then if I get a new order, that's a very different situation from if I have an entire million dollars and I have no no money at risk. Right. Potion automatically uh, increases the premium the right. higher your utilization is. And, and what we were saying is uh, that utilization can be for one individual instrument. I can open a pool and I dedicate that pool exclusively to Bitcoin 80% uh, uh, or 20% out of the money. Or I can actually have several different instruments all participating from a single pool on the basis that these instruments have a similar risk profile. Okay. And, and here, if I may, like, and getting back to your original question on what do we need to scale this liquidity, I think, Jordi, you, you hit the nail on, on the automated aspect. I think what you need to scale it is, is automated risk management, and right. as I was saying before. And in the case of, you, you know, let, let's go to the case of Uniswap, for example, your NLP of, in Uniswap. It's true that operat operationally, it's very simple for you to be NLP, but if you want to make long-term, if you want to see your, your capital growing long-term, you will need to be very, very active. Like you cannot simply put your liquidity there and expect this to grow because there are a, a variety, you know, um, if, if you think about the, the price paths of the assets that you're, you're, you're putting liquidity for, they are stochastic, right? And there's a whole bunch of paths that lead you to ruin very easily, right? So if that path materializes, you're out of the game, uh, long-term and even mid-term or, or short-term, short -term, right? The idea for with Potion that we're pursuing is, okay, can I have a strategy, an automated strategy embedded in the bonding curve? The bonding curve is, is, the, is your, your ally for aut uh, automation in AMMs, right? Can I have a bonding curve that covers me in, you know, kind of almost every scenario, statistically uh, speaking. So this idea that Jordi was saying about, you know, the more utilized you are as an LP, so you have your pool of capital and it, it may be more or less utilized. The more utilized it is, the more expensive you need to sell your options. With the Cali criterion, we found exactly how much more expensive you need to make it. That's what the bonding curve tells you. And that, that simple intuition actually you can prove that it leads to, to this long-term uh, capital growth. Right. It leads you to this scenario where you know that, you know, 
there might be many possible price paths out, out there, but you will be just by sim- using this simple heuristic, the more utilized, the more expensive, you will be um, protected in the long run. So, so I, I suppose the question is from an LP point of view, from a liquidity provider's point of view, what do they need and how idiot-proof is the starting point? <laughs> uh, so they need USDC mm-hmm. because uh, all the options are collateralized with USDC. Mm-hmm. This is is nice in a, in a sense because that enables this scenario we were talking about. If you buy BTC from BTC options, I'm going to collateralize them with USDC. Mm-hmm. If you buy Ethereum options, I'm still going to collateralize them with USDC. So that makes it very simple. It's only one asset that you can provide. I wouldn't say that is uh, completely uh, foolproof. Uh, so if you're not like super familiar, maybe you don't want to jump into it uh, just yet. But uh, oh. have, <laughs> not, not, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's your case. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the, people should. I'm, I'm trying to be serious here in terms of this is risky stuff. Uh, so right. if you don't know what you're doing, you probably want to uh, hang out on on the sidelines for now. Yeah, um, I think they, you know it's modular enough that uh, you can probably participate in pools that are managed for you, so you don't have to do that that, that work directly. But also, you don't need to be that sophisticated. You know, like we've built potion analytics to help a, a regular person do some. Uh, basic Monte Carlo backtesting, right. get an idea for what happens if the market moves against me very aggressively, medium aggressively. So you can play with yourself until you get a, a good grasp for for what's happening. And then when you're decided, basically you need to make a, a few simple decisions. Which assets do you want to sell? Bitcoin, Maker, uh, whatever. At what protection and length? Um, and at what price? And this price... Even though we have found this kind of formulaic uh, mathematical f- uh, way to derive these curves, we've actually left it open-ended. So the Kelly criterion optimal curve is almost your starting point. This is the mathematics that tell you if you price below that, then you're going to be in pain. Mm. But we won't prevent people pricing above that. Mm-hmm. So you can actually uh, build a, 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 a small degree of risk tolerance where even right. if, you, if you mess up a little bit with the... Uh, assumption that you made on the probability of, of returns, you have a, a buffer of of risk that, that you can affect. But these are the decisions you need to take. The right. asset that you want to underwrite, basically, and the price that you want to charge. I right. think w- one other nice thing that we kind of designed was like a progressive um, kind of user experience. So you can enter uh, the system as an LP, you know, initially from a very basic um, approach where you just copy positions. So as you were saying in the beginning, I think there's a ton of value in bringing data from the chain into the front end and you digest it and you show some metrics and, and you can show, for example, some, some PNL charts. You can see, um, you know, you can, you can rank in potion. It's, it, you have this kind of, discover pool sections that you can imagine it's like Netflix. You can browser pools, configurations, and you can see, okay, this pool, um, I can see the trajectory of the PNL. Um, I can see several metrics on how, you know, how much collateral is in this type of pools or whatever. And I can be, you know, guided by that. And I say, okay, this is a very popular pool. It seems to be making our, our you know, a regularly uh, steady, kind of income like that and you know maybe I don't want to overcomplicate things too much and I just want to go with the crowd and I'll just copy that pool and you can exactly do that like you can click a button that says clone this pool and you will automatically instantiate that same pool with the same configurations for you and you can start from there or you can actually kind of clone it but modify it a little bit and make it your own and work like that. Then as you progress later on, you can go into more advanced uh, user flows for the LP and you can go into what we call the, you know, the custom journey for the LP where you use potion analytics first, you derive your own bonding curve, you do your own research in a sense, but we give you the tools and then you construct on the front end your specific custom pool, right? And I think... I, I, I love this because, you know, I think it allows people to grow with the app. So mm-hmm. it's not an app that you just use once and you always use it the same. You can enter 
knowing very few about being NLP in derivatives and you can learn and you can grow uh, with the app and the app will show you kind of more complex paths like that. I think that is something I would love for people to kind of use like that, right? To, uh, as a platform for, for learning as you do. That's really awesome. So I, I suppose last question is, is, you know, like why are you guys building? What's your sort of motivation for doing all of this? So, so from I think we, we touched on it uh, a little bit, uh, but I think there is a bit, a bit of a of a backstory. Um, Guillaume and I were uh, on a prior project, and I I uh, I was lucky to make a, a small trip to New York, where I attended a conference by Nassim Taleb. Yes, and um, I think it uh, it uh, it was pretty transformational, and he's really big on on uh, cutting the tail risks, you know, and right. he's all about the black swan and how like this, this Turkey problem that, you know, everything is fine until it completely uh, a disaster. And so I think that's what, you know, we're trying to follow that, th those, those advices, you know, like you should protect your tail risks. You should hedge your position. And when we saw open come out in, in, and hedging and we started seeing put options, we thought, wow, now you can actually, hedge your tail risks in DeFi. But uh, what we realized was that um, you couldn't build like a, this robo-hedger, which is, I think, our ultimate dream, which is, I just want to cut my tail risk for my holdings auto right. automatically. Right. The problem I have is that the people that are selling me these options don't scale because each option is in its own pool, all, all, these, all these things that we, we, we spoke about. And so hopefully, you know, at, at the end of this journey, And I don't know if we are going to be the ones doing it or, or, or somebody else. And, and, and to that respect, I don't think we're, we care too much. At the end of the day, we just want to have high quality public goods available for everybody that allows people to manage their risk in a safe, open, cool way. And that's, that's what we're trying to build. And whether it's our product or somebody forks it or somebody takes on it and, and takes it there, hopefully that's where we will land at the end of the road. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, it's um, a very it's a very personal question as well. Like I, I think that 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 what Jordi was saying is why are we building potion in particular? Right. And then if you make it more general, like why are we building mm -hmm. in and I think that 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 kind of gets it gets tricky, right? Like it, 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 being a founder in in Web3 and in DeFi is definitely not easy. Is a is a very challenging journey as you probably know. <laughs> Um, and, I don't know and what you're talking see, about. Communities yeah. are always friendly and forgiving. Yes. No, low expectation, easy management, no risk for the founder. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> and, no, and you see many people in the sidelines and that you know are are with you in the space, and maybe they're not founders and they are using their talent and their time for other business, like for instance, for trading their own positions right. and growing their own capital, right. and they spend uh, their full time on that, and that's really great for them. And and you see yourself, oh wow, I, I I'm I'm lacking uh, of time to do this, to trade my own positions or to learn more about what other protocols are doing. But that's that's I mean, at least from my point of view, that's that's okay. I don't care about that. I I think you know, building in Web three nowadays is is a blessing, and being able to you know be being supported by a startup and by a team and so on and, and by a community, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly cool. And it's, it's something that those, those of us who are building in, in Web3 right now, I think we're privileged people and we will be more privileged in the future in the sense that these skills that we're gaining and this uh, uh, ability to build things with our hands will become more and more and more relevant in the societies of the future. So mm -hmm. at least to me, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, all in into yeah. building right now. If I may really quickly, I just really, really love what, what Guillaume just said. And um, almost at a, at a philosophical standpoint, we were discussing this uh, earlier, uh, Pierce. We really feel like we just happen to be alive at this incredibly crazy moment in history where this technology is kind of just becoming available. And it's unbelievable to have the opportunity to build uh, almost like reinvent some fundamental financial services 
from the ground up, you know, with a, from a new technology layer that is open by default, that is trustless by default. I think this is a massive opportunity for almost civilization, you know, and I mean, we're really big believers like this, but uh, I, I actually think it, it's real. Like humanity now has this new gift, which is decentralization. And we're just trying to make sure that we use that, that gift for, for the betterment of everyone. Yeah, I, th I think the um, the opportunity is is so broad for a a better system, um, yeah. but it has to be like it's. It, I, I often think about like public ledgers and system protocols that are built on top of those public ledgers as like founding a country, and you know when you found a country, you you there is also an intention that goes into the founding that echoes through generations. You can see it in the founding of America. You can see it in the founding of the UK. You can see it in the founding of newer countries. And mm -hmm. like the, the intention that was brought forth in, in the creation ends up shaping the society that builds out of that. And I, and I think that as long as there are people who are building with the right intention, um, we're going to end up with a better system. Um, and, and I think that a lot of the people building today, like you guys are fundamentally idealists. And I think that that's important. Agreed. Agreed. So it's wonderful talking with you guys again. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to find out more about potion or get involved with your community, how should they get involved? Where should they go? So I think our discord is where all the magic is happening and your easiest way there is uh, through our website, potion.fi or potion.finance. We're also on Twitter and all the usual places. We have a medium, we have a, a small YouTube channel, lots of places, but start in potion.finance. Come say hi uh, on Discord, regardless of your level, whether you're super sophisticated and want to go into the vowels of Kelly, we want to talk to you. If you're kind of hearing about this for the first time, we want to talk to you. If you're interested in protecting your position, we want to talk to you, so just feel free to come and hang out with us. Awesome. Awesome. Jordi, Gilliam, lovely to have you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks, everyone.